Rappers and them Cartiers I do my thing any harder way And if you know where we're going Then you probably gonna be coming with us Welcome back to another episode of Mainly Celtics And uh, Maddie, the preseason over is over The season's here Yeah, I'm, it was a uh... It was obviously a mixed bag this preseason. Um, I would have liked to be able to see Jalen Brown for more than a game. I would like to see Mark Smart for more than two games. I would like to see Al Horford for more than two games. Mm-hmm. But, of course, uh seemed like uh, uh, not the injury bug, but getting two positive COVID tests. I feel like they're the only major players I've, I've heard that got that within the last couple of weeks or during the preseason. So I'm better better now, I guess, than – in the middle of the season, but still definitely not ideal. No, it, it's not ideal to have, like you said, though, only two sort of known cases right now be on the Celtics who had such a, such a terrible time with it last year. It's no fun. Yeah. Um, another thing, but there was a positive out of it was we did get to see a lot of the younger guys play a little bit more than they probably would have, especially – um, guys like Romeo Neesmith and Grant. Mm-hmm. So there was some positive from it, but yeah. Um, so let's recap this uh, Miami game. We were uh, missing Rob Williams, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart. Um, Jalen Brown and Al Horford to COVID cases, like we spoke of. Pritchard is dealing with the nose injury. And it's looking like he'll be wearing a mask for the first part of the season. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, Mask PP. Yeah. Um, Rob Williams is dealing with uh, tendonitis of the knee called jumper's knee, apparently. Correct? Yeah. They call it it something weird. They call it like tendopathy or something like that. But it's just, yeah, it's just tendonitis. It's just jumper's knee is what it is. Right. Um, That's not ideal. No. Rob's obviously had a long... It could just be maybe a sore knee and they're like a lot of the others weren't starting. They're like, yeah, I might as well just give him a rest. Like it could be nothing serious at all, but from what we've had to experience with Rob in the past, uh, obviously we're going to, we're going to be a little bit um, pessimistic when, when he's dealing with any sort of injury. Absolutely. Um, and the final um, inactive from what is this Friday uh, was Marcus Smart who was suspended apparently for missing the team flight. What do you what do you put in yeah. that, Maddie? Um, I feel like this was something. I, I I hope and I'm hoping this was done intentionally. I'm hoping that maybe this was a tactic uh, by Ma and or Brad to be like, okay, let's let's make sure. Obviously, like obviously probably what just actually happened was he just missed the flight and he's punishing him but i'd like to think that this was um a plan kind of schemed up by brad ma and and smart to help show that everyone on this team would be held accountable for their actions and kind of set a message early on the preseason right no one's untouchable right but so that's what what probably happened happened. was yeah what probably happened was he just missed the flight Slept in, yeah, it, it makes punch traffic, right. something like that. But, but, um, so it's not ideal. Um, no, and to, to lose one twenty one to one hundred is also not ideal in the last. Yeah, game. it was, it was close for a while though. It really didn't start. I feel like it was pretty close to the end. Cause I remember I was tuning in because I was also this was happening during the Red Sox game, right? right. No, yeah. uh, it went yes. Reds. Yes. yes, Friday Red Sox game, game started at eight. Celtics started like six thirty. Right. So, because um, it was close heading, I believe, like, heading in the fourth, it was, like, 99 to, like, 91. And then I think the fourth quarter, the heat just blew him out of the water. Um, but, no, I mean, the Celtics, they definitely looked a little bit overmatched, but that was also because the heat basically had their entire team available. Yeah. I can't think of anyone that was that was inactive from that game. They were putting up an NBA uh, caliber rotation. We just weren't. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. We right. had four of our – or wait. I'm trying to th- we had – yeah, we had four of our five starters out with Tatum being the only starter mm-hmm. that was uh, that was playing. So that's not ideal. Um, although I did think that a lot of the young guys played well. I think that first unit we saw, which was Schroeder, 
uh, Romeo, Tatum, Grant, and uh, Jabari. I think that group actually played pretty well for the most part. I agree. Um, but clearly that's not a lineup you're going to be sending out in starting games against uh, the Heat caliber teams, like playoff caliber teams right. um, in the NBA. So, but overall, I've been very impressed this preseason with a lot of our younger guys. I think a lot of our older guys kind of underperform, but I really don't put too much stock into that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really care that Tatum shot like 40% from the field, 20-something percent from three. Like, I know Tatum's a good shooter. I know Tatum's a good scorer. Yeah. I don't think that's what's going to translate. What is positive, though, is the some of our young guys. So, I have some some three-point shooting statistics just from Pritchard, Romeo, and uh, Neesmith from the summer league and preseason. Mm-hmm. So, Romeo, career 10 for 45 three-point shooter. So, under 25%, a career like 20% three-point shooter. That's bad. From between the summer league and preseason this year, which I believe he played seven games. I think, I think he sat at one summer league game. He was 14, or maybe it was eight because he played in a playoff game. I think so. I think he probably played eight games, but either way, 14 for 28 from three uh, between summer league preseasons, so 50% from three. And I believe in just the preseason alone, he was like seven for nine on corner threes. So that could be a real, a real niche. He kind of, he kind of locks himself into as a three and D player. If he is able to shoot uh, consistently shoot, obviously not 50%, but if he's shooting, I said 36, I would like, I mean, 36 to 38, if he's shooting anywhere in there, that would be awesome to see from Romeo this year. Um, Neesmith, Another guy who um, second half of the year, I believe, shot 38% from three. Mm-hmm. He shot in summer league and preseason on 52 attempts. He shot 40.4% from three. Obviously very good. Um, and Pritchard, last but not least, between summer league and preseason, he was 23 from 50, which is 46% from three. Those numbers are really good because, yeah. the, the, <laughs> I mean, you could leave it at that. But the glaring issue on this team last year, was that there weren't enough assets on the floor that could make big shots. Like, you did not want Marcus Smart being your secondary ball score, your secondary scorer on half, on half of your possessions, you know? Like, those, those numbers really stand out to me because it gives guys like Jalen and Jason breaks. It gives them opportunities to facilitate a little bit, and it also takes – the weight off their shoulders offensively from scoring, which in turn then makes it dip more difficult for opposing defenses to play against the Seas. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, we just kind of talked about last year, like you have guys like Semi and Grant, who I think shot like 35% three, but they weren't like shooting off the dribble threes and creating their own shot. They weren't taking contested shots like they're shooting 35 percent on like wide open corner threes right and that's where a lot of those shots were going when teams were collapsing on tatum and mm-hmm. if you have guys like neesmith or pritchard or um romeo that are hitting over 40 percent of their threes on catch and shoot threes like that's going to be huge and especially like neesmith and pritchard romeo not so much because he was mostly catch and shoot but those guys have looked like they've had some serious shot creation we saw it last year with pritchard but we, mm-hmm. we've seen that start to develop with Neesmith. Like, he can hit a contested three. He can hit a off-the-dribble three. Um, I think right. he's going to excel in the catch-and-shoot with Tatum and Jalen Brown. But he also – we're not getting those things where it's like, okay, Tatum, do stuff, and then hopefully teams will collapse and we'll get an open shot. Like, these guys can get their own shot, which is very promising to see. It is. They can get their own shot, and similar to last year, they, they can bail out. They can bail out uh, – a possession where Jason Tatum runs isolation and then draws two defenders and kicks out for a pat for an open shot. These guys, I feel much more comfortable having them sit in the corner and take those shots. Like you said, they're shooting over 40% on catch and shoot shots. Um, and that's not even to mention the additions of guys like Schroeder, Richardson, um, hopefully Jabari Parker has a bigger role. We can talk about um, our expectations for Jabari in a little bit, but hopefully he has a bigger role, or at least he's uh, in the mix of the rotation. But um, there just there wasn't uh, there wasn't the 
diversity on the floor, the diversity of offensive games, the diversity of shot creation, ball movement, and length, honestly, that last year that we see right now. And it's very promising. Um, I know that you... Um, this week, Maddie posted the, uh, what, 538 win totals or, uh, playoff percentages. Yeah. Projected win totals and then playoff percentages, title percentages, whatnot. So that's based, I believe it's ESPN's like analytical model to determine like what your record will be this season. And had the Celtics at 49 wins, which like I said, like I projected them to have, I think 48 wins. I think the Vegas over under is 46 and a half. Mm-hmm. So this analytical model favors them a little bit more than uh, Vegas did. And yeah. I think that's a very fair estimate. Like I, like yeah. I said, like I do think they're going to be competing for that four or five seed trying to get that home court advantage. Right. I don't, I don't see this team winning that many more, that many games over 50, but I certainly think that it's a possibility that they could win 50 games. Do you? Yeah. I mean, no other realm possibility, especially with we don't know the situation, what's going to happen with um, Ben Simmons or Kyrie. Mm-hmm. That could obviously put a damper, especially with injuries. I mean, but also with the Celtics, we're, we're hoping that we stay healthy because we can see how quickly injuries can derail a season, as we saw last year, injuries right. being on the COVID protocol and whatnot. Like that just really threw off the whole season on a team that looked pretty promising to start the year. Yeah. So as long as we stay healthy, I'm a little bit more confident this year. At least we have more depth. So if guys do go out, we have a better players to replace them. Yeah. So it won't be as uh, much of a detriment. And we're not throwing out lineups where it's like Luke Cornett and um, J- uh, Jabari and Grant and our, our semi and then like Pritchard and Jeff Teague or something like Jeff that. Teague, I know we yeah. didn't have Jeff Teague after the trip, but still, I'm just, like we're not going to be putting out these guys that are borderline NBA player lineups. Like at the right. very worst, like we're be throwing like Grant right now as it stands, probably are like our 12th, 11th man or so Romeo, same thing. Like, yeah. and those guys were getting consistent rotation minutes. Like, like I, I think those guys, like they slid from being like our eight through 10 guys to being like our 10 through 12 guys. And this seems just so much deeper than last year. No doubt. Um, I didn't mean to change the subject on you. Um, did you have anything else about the Miami game? Um, just overall preseason stuff. Uh, Smart and Schroeder, they I do like their ability as passers. They're very willing playmakers. They're very good playmakers. Yeah. Um, turnovers, though, overall, we it looked very sloppy. That's like something they need to cut down on come the regular season. I know it's a different kind of style offense, more ball movement heavy offense, and they're adjusting to it, but like we're not going to win very many games against good teams with the turnovers constantly being um, in the twenties. So yeah, right. That so that I needs had, to. I, yeah, I agree with you. That stood out to me over the entirety of the preseason was um, the turnover rate. Um, I know. I think maybe two weeks ago we talked about um, in the first preseason game we talked about like the turnovers to uh, to forced turnovers. Um, that the that ratio wasn't quite positive in the Celtics' favor, and that um, that trend continued throughout the rest of the preseason, um, which isn't which isn't great. But like you said, it is a new offense. It is a new sort of play style for this group of guys. It's a it's a team that has added three new pieces. That and uh, the young guys have a little bit more of a role now. Um, so you'll see those growing pains, but it is concerning. That was probably the one thing that, um, outside of player health, um, the one thing that concerned me about the preseason. Yeah. I was thinking it was going to start looking better towards games three and four, but also games three and four, we didn't really have the starters there for games three and four. So it made it really tough to find a sort of consistency and get these guys really in rhythm with, uh, moving the ball and, uh, getting more comfortable with one another. Absolutely. Um, so the Celtics overall ended up going two and two in the preseason. Just to wrap this up, uh, the only game that they really should have lost was the Miami one, and they lost it in the fourth quarter. Um, 
Do you do you have an issue with three of those games coming down to one possession in the preseason? Uh, no, I mean, I like it, too. I mean, it gets – especially because the end of games, there's a lot of those young guys playing. It gets a little bit of experience, like, playing crunch time. Like, you get these moments where it kind of builds confidence. Obviously, it can really – it can hurt it, too, if things don't go well. But, like, you have Romeo hitting that game-winning shot. I'm sure that does a lot for his confidence. Absolutely. You have these players playing crunch time moments where the pressure is up. That's going to help get them um, a little bit more familiar with, like – I mean, a lot of the, a lot of very young guys have played in, like, serious NBA games just because a lot of those guys are playing last year. Like we talked about Grant, Romeo, Neesmith, Pritchard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, those guys are used to it, but I think it's good just to get that com- kind of competitive uh, competitive part of the game going where a lot of times preseason can be just like working out a lot of funks and sometimes you don't um, really get as much competitive aspect as in a normal NBA game, especially when it comes down to uh, like playoff time or towards the end of the season. So I think it's good. I don't see any harm in it. I like just being able to get our guys some run in a close game and really having them try to um, focus and hit big shots. And they did that for the most part. Yeah, that was very well said. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I honestly think that that's just going to be how most games play out for the seas this year. It's going to be uh, a lot of close games. We're going to see, we're going to see some losses by two points. We're going to win some games at the buzzer, you know, like that's, that's just how the, that's how last season went. At least it felt like every fourth quarter was a nail biter. And uh, I just think, I think we're going to see a lot more of that moving forward too, especially early on as this team uh, figures itself out as it creates its identity, as Ime creates his own identity on the floor, how he impacts the game. Um, I just think, I think that, the parity in the league is so, so strong that um, we're just going to, we're going to see some tight games for the most part. Yeah. I mean, that, that middle of the, I mean, even the whole East really, because of, like we said, I keep mentioning the Ben Simmons and Kyrie thing, but I mean, that obviously hurts both those teams, depending on what happens with those guys. Uh, The East could be a really jam packed towards like the two through like seven seeds because you, got to believe like the heat are going to be competitive the hawks are clearly going to be competitive the knicks are going to want to compete again they kind of loaded up this offseason being kemba and fournier Mm -hmm. um so it could be a real it could be very close between like i do think the nets just even with james harden and kevin durant as long as stay healthy will probably clearly be a two seed but i mean philadelphia with that if they don't have ben simmons or ben simmons is just like dogging it out there like we saw with james harden in houston it could be a case where the three through seven are just going to be right within a few games of each other. So it could be a real dog fight in the middle of the middle seeds of the East. Absolutely. I mean, we in Chicago, forget about Chicago. Chicago, Yeah. Uh, the Hornets should make a push. If Gordon Hayward stays healthy, if LaMelo ball can stay healthy, I think the Hornets will be in that mix. Um, I think the, there's only three teams that really aren't, close to contending and that's Cleveland, Detroit and and uh Orlando. So you've got how many how many there's what 15 teams in the east? Because there's 30 teams overall. So you've got 12 teams buying for I'm just trying to trying to think. Yeah. Well I mean ten, Toronto ten spots. Well 10 spots including the, think, where are the, the other east play, the play in I think Toronto will compete. I do too, yeah. But I think they're yeah. young, and I think I think that, Toronto will compete for a playing spot. Yeah. yeah, and then we're and then um, the Pacers is another one that we didn't bring up. Um, I think I think the Pacers are gonna suck this year. Yeah, the Pacers. That depends. I mean, Sabonis is Sabonis is an All Star. He's he's proven that he. I don't know if he can carry a team, but he's proven that he can win games. I think Karis LeVert, I think his injury timeline got pushed back as well. I, I think you're right. Yeah. So um, they sort of. I guess like he's going to have to miss the first four to six weeks. And I think they were expecting him to be able to play by the start of the season. Or no, because he played last year towards the end. Right. So I don't really know. But I, I'm pretty sure I said like he's going to be out like four to six weeks for like a. Something with his hamstring, I think. Interesting. I can check it out. But I don't know. I just. I. Just, I don't know, something about that team. I think they're going to have to sell the deadlines. I think they're 
I think they're to the point where they're just like sitting in mediocrity where, where they are right now. Like, yeah, sure. They can make the playing tournament every year, but like, what's that going to do for you? Like, I think they're going to need to try and trade, trade away. Uh, probably miles Turner more likely than not um, build a team. Uh, a little bit better around Sabonis if that's what they want to do going forward and just try and go a little bit younger. So that way they're not just sitting in between like the eight to 10 spot every single year. Yeah. I think Brogdon has to go. Brogdon's not really the piece that they thought he would be. Um, who I don't even know who else is on that roster. Doug McDermott. It's uh, TJ Warren. TJ Warren should probably. No, be uh, Doug McDermott. Isn't McDermott on the Spurs? Oh yeah, you're right. They got a big bag from the Spurs. Um, yeah, but TJ Warren, I think he's another big piece. I know they have Goga Badazzi, I think, still. It was the yeah. guy that was uh, the media day picture next to Zion. Zion, right. But he was like end of the – yeah. But I don't know. That one's it'll, – it'll be interesting to see how the East plays out this year. But It will be. Do you um, want to do, uh, you do – Some uh, other things. Hold on. Do you want to do um, an East prediction? One through eight. Okay. Uh, yeah. You only I and you give me your and. Okay. Um, one I think will be the box. I think the boxers going to kind of be good all year long and not really have to try that hard. I think two will probably be, um, the Sixers. I think three is going to be the Nets. I think four Hawks, five Celtics, um, six. I think six is going to be the heat. Mm-hmm. I think seven is going to be the bulls. Eight, Knicks, nine. Or I guess we don't have to give nine. I don't know. Nine's where it starts to get shaky, but. Yeah, eight's good. Um, yeah. And then nine, ten is going to be like Toronto, Charlotte, um, a couple of those teams in there. Yeah. Um, I think you're. I think the Bucs are the best team in the East by far. I do think the Nets finish in second. I think that James Harden and Kevin Durant are two of the best scorers of the entire history of the NBA. Speaking of history of the NBA, 75th season, no big deal there. Um, I think uh, the Celtics will finish third. Um, I think the Sixers fourth, Hawks fifth. Um Heat six, and then you've got seven, eight, nine. Should be any combination of the um, Knicks, Bulls, and Hornets. I'm very high on the Hornets this season. I think that they're going to be. Oh, did I miss the Hawks? I put no. I put them fifth. But um, but I think yeah, seven, eight, nine is going to be Bulls, Hornets, uh, Knicks. I think that the Knicks are going to be exciting to watch this year as as much as that pains me to say um but i'm i'm super looking forward to watching the hornets i think they're um one of the most exciting teams out there yeah they're a fun team to watch uh i think a big thing with the hornets is i think a lot of it hinges on i think pj washington Uh because if he's able to play the five i think that gives them a seriously like dangerous unit Mm -hmm. um i don't think he'll start as the five i think he either starts the fours comes off the bench probably more likely off the bench with hayward and bridges at the forward positions but i think if he's able to come in and play a lot of small ball five i think that uh provides like a five out offense that could be very dangerous he's able to guard um some smaller centers in the league effectively Mm -hmm. and be able to rebound uh that could turn them into a very dangerous team a very versatile team yeah i i I 100 agree um what do you think uh, about the West? The West is always just too jumbled for me. I mean, there's always, like we saw last year with uh, the Suns, there's always a team that just sort of bursts onto the scene um, late in the year. I mean, we saw the Jazz, the Jazz were the one seed last year. Um, two years ago, it was Denver and Jamal Murray in the bubble. Um, I, I find it hard to give predictions on the West. Um, I think the Warriors dep- is a lot, once again, dependent on Wiseman and Clay Thompson. Like if Clay Thompson's 
anywhere near the player they used to be, I think that immediately puts the Warriors probably in the top half of the West, yeah. at least for the regular season. Mm-hmm. And clearly in the postseason as well. I think James Wiseman, like, like if he's just another year older, another year stronger, a little bit uh, better defensively, a little bit more consistent offensively, then that could be a huge boost for them because it allows them to play more traditional lineup instead of having to have lineups of um, – Draymond out there at center a lot, which is what they really had to do in crunch time. They're just very small a lot of times. Right. But and Draymond's only getting older, so it's it's gonna get harder and harder to just consistently depend on him for to be that elite defensive stopper like we saw once again last year. Exactly. I agree. Um, do you want to give uh do you want to give predictions on the West or what do you think? I don't know. I think that I'll just go. I think one's probably be the Jazz, two Suns, three Lakers. I think four Nuggets, five Warriors, six. Um, who am I forgetting? The Clippers. Six Clippers, seven. Uh, let's go seven Trailblazers. I think mm-hmm. the Grizzlies are going to have a dip this year. So, what playoff team am I forgetting about? The Mavericks. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go like eight Mavericks. That seems right. Okay. I don't know. Like, I just, I just don't think the Mavs are very good. Like, Luca's as as good as he is. Like, I think he's the favorite right now to win MVP. Like, I don't see it because I don't think I think their team's just not good at all. So I don't know how you win MVP with your team being like likely an eight seed or seven. I think at best they probably finish as the five seed. Yeah, I think. I think if. If the if the Mavericks end up being the four seed and Luca's averaging thirty four points a game, then he'll be MVP. I think that's the only route for him. But that that's pretty fucking hard to do with the team that they. Yeah, he's gonna need like a thirty point triple. Yeah, he's gonna need to average like a thirty point triple double on good efficiency in order to be in order for that team to be one of those like exactly. top four or five seeds. Yeah, right. Um, I don't. I don't know if Utah's going to have the same type of year. I think uh, what was it? Quinn Snyder. I think he's a great coach, um, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to repeat the same success. I think Phoenix is the one seed. Um, the Lakers are the two seed, the Nuggets, the three seed, uh, Utah four, um, Clippers five, Warriors six. Um, Blazers seven, and then I'll put Memphis in there. I think that they I put <clears throat> Memphis at eight. I think that uh, Memphis really tried this offseason to clear some cap space to uh, to sign some uh, to sign a big name guy, and they missed. But I do think the addition of uh, Stephen Adams and what is it, Eric Bledsoe? Um, I think the addition of those guys are going to be helpful to that team. I think John Morant's really going to benefit from that. Um, Didn't Eric Bledsoe get traded again? Maybe? I have no idea, dude. The Grizzlies, I have no idea who's on their team anymore because they made like 10 trades this off. And I think a lot of them weren't – yeah, like you said, they were to clear yeah, cap space. Like I don't know. So. Clippers. Yeah, so – Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah, so I don't I don't even know who's on their team. I, I know um, – I know they cut Chris Dunn. Yeah, saw that the other day. Um, I did see that. Yeah. No, Thanks, I don't. Man. I don't think Stephen Adams is that. Great. I like Stephen Adams, but I think that if you're gonna have Stephen Adams as your starting center, you one have super good spacing around him, and two, you're gonna need to have a team that's already pretty solid defensively. And you're going to need a guy who can be that small ball five because he can get played off the court because he is pretty slow. He doesn't really provide a lot of spacing. He's really good for those bigger physical centers. But if you have a team like we saw last year with the Clippers, just able to go five out and completely uh, mitigate the impact of a guy like Rudy Gobert, who is all NBA um, defensive player of the year, and just make him basically a negative on the court because they're able to space the court out. My team's probably going to do that to Memphis. I think Valanciunas definitely wasn't a – um, I don't think it's it's a huge downgrade from Valanciunas. I think Valanciunas is a little bit better of a shooter. It's not like he's a sniper out there, but um, defensively they're similar type players. 
I just, I just don't see them being a super competitive team this year, just with the moves they made this offseason. I don't think they got any better. And they were what a nine seed last yeah. year. I think, I think the old, I don't think that they, I think a lot of their moves were lateral, like you said, but um, I do think that uh, John Morant being in his third year now is he's going to take a nice leap. Um, Brandon Clark as well. Um, I think that this, I, Dylan, Dylan Brooks had a, had a pretty spectacular uh, first half of the last season. Um, I think that they're going to be in contention. I mean, the eighth spot isn't out of the realm of possibility for the Grizzlies. No. I mean, like you said, like, you do have a bunch of young guys who could take those leaps. I just think their their moves around those core young pieces weren't moves that made them any better. I think, if anything, it made them a little bit worse. They let Grayson Allen go for nothing, who – Grayson Allen's not like a game changer, but he was like a salt – he was like a decent bench piece. Yeah, good defender. Uh, and they, they, just had, they just had a lot of those similar type moves there where it's just – I don't really know. I just didn't think it really helped them as a team. And I think a lot of the teams that were in that seven to 10 range actively made moves to get better aside from like the Spurs who I think got significantly worse this year. Yeah. I think the Spurs are going to be really bad, which is too bad. Cause yeah. they're, they're um, awesome. I think Keldon Johnson's going to get a lot of shots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you uh, have anything you else? about predictions or do you want to move to Celtics? Yeah, we can, we can do some Celtics, some Celtics ish predictions. Okay. Uh, so we, um, we talked about MVP sixth man and most improved. Yeah. I mean, we don't, do we really need to do MVP though? No. Like honestly, like I think, I think it's going to be Tatum again, unless he gets injured or something, but so we can just do six man and most improved. Yeah. Uh, I think six man, I think it's going to be uh, Dennis Schroeder. I agree with you, but I'll take a I'll take a different um, I'll take a different route just to talk about it, um, and I'll go Aaron Naismith. Um, I can I, see the path for Naismith. Yeah, I can certainly see the path for Naismith there. Right. I mean, the there's a lot of people clamoring on Twitter for him to start. I know Greeny Greeny's a proponent of that. I think part of it is satirical. I think that it's like half real, half sort of fairyland. But um, I do think that uh, Aaron Naismith is going to be one of the most important players off the bench in pretty much any series because he can guard bigger guys. He can guard guards at the top of the key and he can pass, shoot, and rebound. Like those, he's just gonna. Hopefully, uh, Ime is gonna be able to get him to a point where he's using all of these skills that we saw burst through in certain moments last year, especially on the defensive end and the rebounding side of things. I think that he is going to be, uh, by the end of the season, he'll be, he'll be the first guy off the bench. He'll be, uh guarding the the best uh the best guard or the best uh wing player on the second unit that we're facing yeah i mean i can see it for neesmith at the same time i went with i think it's gonna be schroeder just for the fact that the schroeder has a more established role yeah um, I, I i think so too i, I was i was just saying neesmith to for conversation because yeah, because we can talk about it though. Because I mean, even the other day, like he elected, may elect to start Romeo instead of Neesmith at the two guard with those guys missing. I think what he likes about Romeo is I think Romeo is a better defender than Neesmith. Neesmith's very high energy and makes things happen, but at the same time, Romeo still is prone to those more uh, kind of young guy mistakes, and that's fine. Like that's something he's going to grow out of. I think uh, I think uh, Neesmith. It's a better shooter, better offensive player. But mm. it's going to be really tough, I think, between those three guys. Like, that's why I didn't select Romeo, even though I'm, I'm making these points right now, is yeah. because I think between he, Richardson, and Neesmith, I think there's going to be a lot of competition there. It's going to be hard to get necessarily consistent in a ton of minutes where I think Schroeder has that bench point guard kind of already uh, carved out for himself. I think 
Pritchard's going to be alongside him, but even Pritchard's going to have some of his mitts taken away by the guys I previously mentioned. But mm-hmm. I think Pritchard's going to be used basically as um, an off-ball spacer for the most part. So he's not going to have the ball in his hands a ton like we saw last year. I think the ball is going to be in Schroeder's hands a lot, and I think he's going to get a lot of minutes and a lot of consistent minutes as well. I think I yeah I think you're spot on. Um, I do. I'm super excited to watch Dennis Schroeder play. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be fighting for uh, that eighty four million dollars next year, and I think that he's gonna really show out. Um, yeah. Most improved. I think. I think we talked. Um, about, most improved. I think we talked about the two guys that it really should be. You know, it should be either Naismith or Romeo. Don't you think? Maybe Grant Williams. Well, I think you can even throw. I well, I think you can throw Pritchard in there. Like Pritchard, I think if he has the same role he does last year, I do think we talked about this when we're making our preseason predictions for how much points he's going to score. Like I don't mm-hmm. think that I think he's gotten significantly better. I just think his role isn't going to increase a ton because I think it's actually going to probably either stay the same, or maybe decline a little bit. Cause like, like we just said, like last year, the ball was in Pritchard's hands a lot. When guys like, there's a lot of times when Jason Tatum was off the court, especially the times Jalen Brown was missing or Marcus Smart was missing, the ball was in Pritchard's hand a ton. Like he was in charge of pretty much all the shot creation. He was tasked with a lot of the playmaking for that second unit. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think we're going to see that as much this year. So I think the overall improvement, I think Pritchard's shown a ton. Um, but I, I do think it is it is Neesmith just based on what we've seen as a shot creator. You could say that maybe Romeo's value is going to improve the most and just from statistically from one year to the next, he's going to take the biggest jump. But yeah. I think that just Neesmith's overall improvement, like he just looks like, such a he's starting to take that Jalen Brown level of uh kind of improvement like it seems like he's following those same footsteps just athletic athletic like three and d wing mm-hmm. who's slowly getting who's going to just get better and better each and every year and I I hope we see that out of out of me Smith yeah I really do too um the you you brought up pretty much the only argument for Romeo is like as the most improved player on this team, it would just only be uh, purely from the statistical side because we know how good of a defender Romeo is. We know that he's uh, creative in the offensive side of things. We know that he can get, that he can stand in the corner and shoot. But the only, uh, it would have to be a big jump in three-point percentage uh, for him to, for him to become the most improved. I think Nate Smith is the Yeah, because I don't think he's going to give him a shot opportunity unless it's really open shots in the corner. Like, that's yeah. just what it seems like his offensive role is. If he's able to do that job, I do think that's going to be very beneficial for his minutes because clearly what he brings on the defensive side is, is something fairly rare. I mean, we see it happens to be a lot of guys in this team, but not every team's going to have a guy that I think can legitimately just affect shots in the way that Romeo does. Like, he's just able to be so quick, get around screens, able to get in the face of a lot of very good scores so mm-hmm. i do think that um he will have some sort of role in the team i think i'm more confident in it than just uh at the end at the end of summer league just because his shot looked even better in the preseason and i'm a little bit lower on josh richards than i was coming into the preseason just because i wasn't really impressed with what he does offensively i think he's clearly a very good defender but i just it was a little a little uh, disappointed with his offensive game. Right. I mean, there was times where he was shooting one for seven, one from eight in games. Yeah. Over five from three. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are our two picks, our preseason awards. Those are the only ones we really can talk about. I mean, we could say Depoy, but it'll, even that it'll one's going to be, be tough. Rob or Marcus, you know. I think you could even put Al in there. I think Al's versatility is going to be really important to this team defensively. Yeah, that is a good point. I think you're – I think, yeah, that's a great point. But um, I think it's probably between those three. Um, just a couple more things I want to talk about and get your thoughts on. So, obviously, I think they said doubtful Al starts – is able to start on, like, the opening night. Right. 
because of I think it's questionable whether or not or borderline whether or not he's going to be able to clear protocol by then. Right. So what we've seen this whole preseason is they've gone with a bigger lineup, right? They haven't sent out, I don't believe, any lineup with like Tatum at the four or like a typical uh, like small forward or typical wing at the four. They've gone mm-hmm. bigger for the most part. Yeah. With that being said, though, do you think they wind up an hour for being out? Do you think they wind up going with Tatum at the four? Or do you think they slide Grant or Wancho in there at the four to start the season? Um, night. Or do you think that they think they like to go Tatum at the four? Um, well, I think there's two schools of thought. I think that if um, they want to have uh, they want to have like the shooting on the floor, I think that they would go um, Marcus Smart and then either Schroeder or Richardson at the two, Jalen Brown at three. Tatum at the four and then Rob, but I do, I do think an interesting lineup would be um, Marcus, Jalen, Jason, and then either Wancho or I really like Jabari Parker. I mean, I think Jabari would be an interesting fit in that spot, at least to start the season uh, next to, next to Rob sort of small, unfortunately there. Um, But they're playing the Knicks. The Knicks only like Julius Randle. Yeah, I think. I think and that's on. I mean, what Julius Randle's like six. Part of the re- he's like six eight, but he is not like a small six eight. Like he's six no. eight. He's gonna be trying to play bully ball the entire time if he gets a smaller defender on him. That's like part of the reason why I found it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, like they have done it all preseason. There's been no lineup. I don't unless I'm unless I'm forgetting. There's been no starting lineups with uh like a typical a typical uh, wing at the four. Right. So I think they probably go big. I think they might go Grant. Just I think Grant outplayed Wancho during this preseason. I think I Grant likes to be more physical. So I think that'd be interesting. I just found it very – because clearly I think the best the best five lineup would be is either enter Schroeder in there at the point guard and move everyone up or um, Richardson at the two or maybe Neesmith at the two or the three. Yeah. Um, but I think just – Fit-wise and what we've seen this preseason, I think that M.A. wants bigger lineups, at least in the starting lineup. He's shown he's also not afraid to go smaller later on. But I think just for starting lineups, it seems like he really likes those bigger, uh, more physical lineups. Yeah. Um, so that, that means you would, you would start Grant with Rob? Yeah, I'd start Grant with Rob probably. Um, for substitution, I probably would take out. I would take out like Grant and I don't know who else. Grant maybe Smart, and then put in Schroeder and I don't know either Neesmith or Richardson. It's gonna be interesting how they manage the center situation too. I I agree because um, like, they were they they were switching a ton, but Canner looks so goddamn bad in this in the pick and roll. Yeah, I don't think Ennis Canther is gonna get that much run. I think they're. Um, He's there just to rebound the ball offensively against against some of the bigger uh, the bigger centers in the league. Um, yeah, but without Al available, really the only centers we saw were like they used Granite center, but that yeah, was about Grant, it. Rob, we didn't see right. Bruno at all this preseason. Yeah, you're right. We have it. And Bruno made the made the roster correct because oh we didn't we yes, didn't talk about that's an- but um. Yeah, the cuts, I know the cuts on cuts there. Cuts were made. Yeah, Garrison Matthews, Theo Pinson, and Chris Clemen. And uh, Luke Cornett, uh, Archie Diakono were cut earlier in the week. Oh, were they? I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah so the final roster spot was given to uh, Jabari. Well, Jabari yeah. and Bruno, depending on how you look at it. I think Jabari was more questionable because he had the non-guaranteed. They would have had to either trade Bruno for like a protected second or just like ate the money Yeah, to Dan Arnold. Good. Um, getting pissed too. They're not throwing the ball to Dan Arnold. Oh, um, I was going to say, yeah. So they still have one two-way spot available. I, it'd be cool if they decided to sign like uh, 
Theo, I like Theo Pinson when I saw of him. He wasn't very effective, but he was flying around, really, really hustling and trying. Mm-hmm. But I think more likely than not, they'll probably wait till all the cuts are made, and then they'll take one of the guys that were cut that they like the best, that they think can provide the most, and yeah. add them to the roster. Does Theo Pinson qualify for a two-way deal? I think he might be a little too old. I don't think so. So there's a lot of talk about him getting that second two-way deal. Oh, okay. Um, either way i think it was between yeah but no um archie diakono looked very bad during the preseason bad, so bad. i was very um hauser looks like a guy that can is really good at shooting the basketball <laughs> yeah which is which is exactly what we got him for so that's uh-huh. so that's cool but yeah um you don't know i don't have any really guys. what uh you don't mess around with those virginia guys they come in and play defense yeah. and shoot the ball well yeah, the defense is still still up in the air, but I think he'll he'll continue to improve. Hopefully, I think he's smart enough where he should be able to figure out defense in the NBA level. Um, I don't have any more thoughts. Um, we have first game coming up. I think it's what Friday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Okay, yeah, Wednesday against the Knicks. Um, hopefully, we start the year off with a W. Hopefully, Al Horford's back. That'd be huge just for depth and just what Al Horford brings to this team. Mm-hmm. It'd be really nice. Um, Red Sox play tomorrow. Yeah, one-one right now. Yeah, uh, it really—they really should not have lost that first game either. No, I know they had a lead and they—they blew it. The bullpen's not been good. Houks looked bad, which is. Not great. No, I think I think the the biggest thing for how is the same thing that was with Sale earlier in the year. I mean, he's leaving leaving fat pitches to good hitters. I mean, I know uh, Correa hit hit that ball that he homered on. It was at the very top of the zone, but I mean, still center cut for a top. I don't know, top 15 player in the entire MLB. So, um, um, at least who, the, bat, the bats came alive last night. Who hit the home run off Robles? Was it Correa? Yeah. Oh, that was the Correa one. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because um, I was going to say, I was Altuve like, I remember. Yeah. Because um, Correa's one where Robles, I think, was like throwing all fastballs and they just weren't catching him. They decided to throw a changeup, like what, 0-2 or something like that, or 0-1. I think yeah. he was ahead in the count through an oh like a changeup and he just got dicked on. Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, maybe you should have kept going with what's working, but um yeah, so I'm hoping we get a good performance. Who it's Erod, right? Is Erod Pavetta? I think it's Erod. Erod. Sales look so bad. Holy cow. The thing is, sales only pitched like 60 pitches this uh this series and he should be able to go um at least game game, six game five no game five yeah i don't know though if i want him pitching a like a do or die game by the way he's thrown i get that he's chris sale but holy cow he just looks so bad i mean he only gave up what one run in game one yeah because how gave no, up. No, he was out. He was out by, the, like, the second inning. Was he? Yeah. What do you mean? I know he was in the Tampa series, but I don't think – because it was three to one. And then three to three. That's when Hout gave up the home run to tie it. And then Correa hit the go-ahead home run. Yeah, two and two thirds. Okay, five hits, one run, two strikeouts. It's really okay. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I was like, he didn't. I remember him making. I guess I didn't realize. Yeah, he only I guess gave I up didn't one. realize. Was there an error? No, there's no error. So I guess none of those runs must have been his. But still, I was. I just. I remember him not pitching well. I was watching the game, and I was like, dude, Jesus Christ, he is struggling. 
Um, but big game tomorrow. Uh, speaking of struggling, Maddie, uh, built different. Oh, and five in the dynasty league. Oh, dude, I'm selling, dude. I don't even care anymore. I'll go zero and ten. Yeah. Like I don't care now. Now, like that's why I like my dynasty is that I can just not care now and just look for the look for the look into the future. Yeah. I just hope someone gets desperate and wants one of my players and offers me way more than their value. That's pretty much what I'm planning on now. Yeah. I'm getting annoyed though, dude. Skyler asked me like seven times, like literally once a day about trying to get Javante Williams from me. And, and I just have I've ignored him for the last week and he still just messages me. <laughs> he's like a thir- he's like a thirsty ass dude. Yeah. Just like every day trying trying to get some. We'll have to we'll have to clip that and and quote Skyler on that thirsty ass dude. Yeah, he's, dude, it's it's annoying. I just I stop responding to him, and he's like, "It's mad." And he's like, "Please respond." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "No, I don't want to respond." That's I just don't want to trade him. I told you I don't want to trade him. Yeah, it's like ask for my older players. Ask yeah, Emery, if you want to give a couple first round picks, I can give you Shark if you really want them. I don't. Um, I don't want to give up a couple first round picks just because I only have one. You already have two of mine. But, yeah, how about you give me the third one and we can start talking. For uh Cortland Sutton. DJ Sharp. No, for DJ Sharp. No, why would I do that? Because you wanted him really bad. I did. That was yeah. funny. Um so yeah, that was really funny. It was funny. I, I mean Bronson Sharp. Bronson had Rashad Bateman coming off of IR this week. He was like, oh, I don't want him sitting on my bench all, all year. That's the fucking reason you have a dynasty. Like, the, you keep people yeah. on the bench. I don't know, man. Well, yeah, we just with Shark. Yeah, with Shark, I just thought it was funny. And I knew that you only had 83 Fab left. Or 84. Yeah, yeah 83. So I, I bid 84. Yeah, that was a, it was a smart move, Matt. I'll give I it want to, to do you. it just, just to be a dick, honestly. I really don't <laughs> care. Like, like I said, like, I don't care. I kind of wanted, I just thought it'd be funny. I was like, I'm not going to use any of my fab this year. Like, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's a team that's punting on a year should do that. So I think you're, I really should. I might try and get my fab backs in some ways. Cause I do like, it would suck. Like I, I just think of like Arian Foster a few years ago. Yeah. Like, if there's a guy that's, like, a young guy that just, like, comes out of nowhere and then becomes, like, a stud and everyone's, like, oh, maybe I should get him. Like, I do want that spending power. So, maybe maybe I'll trade you DJ Shark for your 83 fab. Well, now that I missed on Shark, I want to sort of keep mine. You'd have to throw in somebody on top. Well, I'm not going to. I know so, you. Um, okay. Well. Uh, it was nice talking to you, pal. I'm hopefully gonna go three and three in in our ESPN league, but there you go. And hopefully Dan Arnold gets fed the rock this game. And dude, I fucking hate Mike Gesicki. Is Mike Gesicki going crazy? He's going pretty crazy. Six he had a decent seven. game already, and he just had a big catch right there. Nice. But, okay. Well, see you, pal. All right. See you, buddy.